Good morning, everybody. Darren Clarkson podcast. Got a cup of coffee on the go, so you will hear slurping. Sounds a bit like that. Uh, you can buy me a coffee. I've got some sort of linky app thing that says buy me a coffee. If you want to buy me one, you're more than welcome to. Sends a couple of quid. Means I could do it after live on instant Maxwell House or Miller Birds. I'm not going to introduce it. Listen to some old podcasts, uh, and that'll tell you who I am. If you're interested at all, I mean, some people are not interested, and they just like to listen to a Yorkshire bloke rattle on about mindless stuff. Some of it's mindless, some of it's not, I guess. Crikey, my coffee's been strong this morning. Right, this podcast, what's it about? It's all about Alfie. It's going to be about whitewater kayaking and the whitewater kayaking community. And it's going to be about a Facebook group. And it could probably be a number of Facebook groups, but this one is called Slightly Whitewater Kayaking. And I know that people that listen to this podcast are members of that group. The group started a number of years ago by a guy called Cliff, because he wanted to get out and paddle stuff that wasn't massively huge and scary whitewater, hence slightly. And this community's grown, and it's massive now. It's all peer-related. People arrange to meet each other in laybys and car parks and cafes, and they go for a bit of a jolly old paddle. And that's a great thing. I have discussed in the past about the issues around group dynamics with people that you don't know. So I'm not going to talk about it now. I'm going to talk about the positive things. Well, not that it's not positive when you meet strangers in laybys, unless obviously you're dogging. I mean, that might be quite positive for some people. Anyhow. Another slurp of coffee. I was just thinking back there to a story of uh, when I slept in the back of my car in a car park. And uh, ended up it was a dogging car park. But that's a completely different story and uh, nothing to do with this podcast. So why am I rattling on? A couple of days ago, uh, I basically put a post up on this group, site, whatever we call it, page. It's a group, in it? I get confused. I'm not a millennial. I'm not a digital native. On this group, the basically said, ask me anything. Ask me anything calculated or anything. And I answered the questions that people asked me in no particular order. And then I thought to myself, well, there might be some people that are not on slightly that might benefit from those questions and answers. So I'm going to try and rattle them out uh, to people like yourselves. I will sort of paraphrase where needed and expand as needed. So... Please, if you're one of those people that ask that question and it's, I'm giving it in a slightly different form, it ain't personal. Uh, it's just the way that things work out when you're either writing or talking. So one of the questions I got asked, and these are in no particular order, these are just the way they appeared on the thread, or the way I answered them on the thread, uh, was what was my path to progressing through the grades from beginner to intermediate and later to the wild and serious stuff that I moved on to? And my response was pretty standard at the start. It was like, oh, what a great question. I started in Scouts. And I did. I started in Scouts. And I remember building my own boat. And then I got myself a boat for Christmas, which must have been mid-teens. Joined the canoe club. I went from there. I went to uni, uh, which the uni is where my paddling really took off. Excuse me. But I didn't paddle much with my uni canoe club. Because I remember going into Freshers' Fair and the guy that ran the canoe club, I don't even know his name, 
said, oh yeah, we'd like you to join the canoe club with your experience. You can do a lot of coaching uh, and you've got a car so you can drive us there. And I thought, no, I can't do any of that because I've got a car and I've got friends that live local and I'll go join them. So that's what I did. And I ended up paddling a lot with a guy called John Smith, Pies, Magic Tom, Jim Shrimpton, Shrimpy, Manchester, he's at Manchester Canoes now. And various other paddlers that moved to North Wales. Uh, when we all got jobs, we all ended up moving into North Wales around Ballon and Betters area. No fan. So we met up at what was then called Rodeo quite a lot. I remember paddling the Glen with a couple of boys back in the day, the Topos. But we'd have the same boat for everything, and that's how I sort of progressed, because those guys were better than me. Magic Tom had paddled a lot in Himalaya and Peru and the States back in the day, and he was a few years older. He lives in the States now, does Tom. And that peer group sort of, we stayed, and we're still friends now, all up to 20-odd years later. Mm. And we still paddle together now. So that's how I sort of moved on. I then took uh, a job working as a safety kayaker in Norway, paddled with Fleming, uh, took up from Simon at Troll. Simon was there a few years before me, and then the year he <coughs> went off north in Norway, I went over into Troll. Uh, you know, Ivan Evie was there. Mark Burton was there. Dave Burton was there. There was quite a few. Uh, Vikram Joshi was there from India. Vikram became a, a lifelong friend, and I've worked and paddled extensively with Vikram in the, India. So that, and then I moved into Nepal. Uh, I booked a flight and went by myself in the days when nobody had social media, nobody had WhatsApps, and I just turned up in Kathmandu with my boat and a bag of kit and met friends that I'd paddled with previously in the street in Kathmandu, which was a gamble because it could have all gone Pete Tong. Uh, paddled with some strangers, which I don't advocate, but those strangers have become lifelong friends, uh, the AKC members, I paddled with the AKC in India not, not, long, after, not long before COVID, uh, and we'll be going over with, to Europe as soon as panel with the AKC again which is pretty cool so that's like super quick that answer to that question but ex super quick but expanded if it makes sense uh, and then I got asked Werner Kober Schlegel now I use Werner Werner's a bit like belly buttons because everyone's got one and they are like industry standard but to me they're a bit like a Ford Monday or Ford Focus you know they do a job really well and uh Excuse me, just have another coffee. Yeah, they do the job really well, but I think if if you know what you're doing and <coughs> having to use a blight a paddle properly, then you can probably get something like a Lemon or a Gala Sport or a G Power or a new Swanky Cobra or a load of other paddles. Schlegels, I, I, I love Schlegels. I think they're brilliant. I've still got a pair. They've got like the shafts made of scaffolding pole, I think, and the blades are made of some sort of concrete with metal edges. Because the way they're done, they've got foam grips that rip your hands to bits and you can shovel snow with them. But they last forever and they're pretty iconic. Uh, I don't have this uh, stop go ones, I have a purple set, which matched my topo when I was gifted these paddles uh, when a friend of mine and paddling mentor, Marion Spender, passed away, I got her Schlegels. 
So I got them like when they weren't even cool, but I have them and they're lovely. I have a really nice set of wooden G's paddles from the 70s that are actually a curtain pole. Uh, I got a brass ferrule in the middle so I could take them apart and then hang them up at the curtain pole. So that's my curtain pole in the spare bedroom. So that's that question answered. I got this really nice question that was, if you could only offer one piece of advice on technique to improve, to be improved as a kayaker, what would it be? And it was love your podcasts, which is brilliant because sometimes I don't know if people listen to these. I often talking baloney to myself. Right. What, what one piece of advice would it be? Dial in your forward stroke, like make your forward stroke work. Now, people that have watched me paddle will know that I paddle a little bit like a T-Rex making a bed. And my arms are really close together. I, I'm not very proactive all the time. I'm a bit of a floater. Snigger, snigger. I put strokes in when it matters. And it's because I've got the experience that I don't have to sort of jersey or bunny windmill, you know, PLF and all that stuff that you see. I can literally float and put the keystrokes in but often you'll see my blade just sat in the water as like a guiding blade not necessarily the best technique and i'm open i'm quite open to that uh, there are people out there paddling you can watch them on youtube and various other platforms that have much better forward technique than me if you if when i was learning to paddle and watching mentors fleming smith i think has got possibly the best forward technique i've ever seen and Fleming very rarely does a backstroke and very rarely stops his stroke cadence if you watch the old videos. Uh, and, but that's just a personal thing. Uh, I have a lot of time for Fleming. I have a lot of time for his boat choices. I have a lot of time for the what he paddles. So that's a worthwhile Google if you can. Uh, or it's put you under the radar or watch videos and work out who he is. And then somebody's asked me if I said you could paddle your favourite section of white water with one person, alive, dead, fictional, who would it be? And I put quite a strange answer into that one because some people have to Google it. So I'm just going to put it into this podcast. Walt Blackadder, Sisitna. I've only been to Sisitna once when I did the Triple Crown in Alaska. You know, Alaska, British Columbia, Mr. Keen, Alsex, I sit there. Uh, but that's in the footsteps of Walt, because Walt was the first to do the Alsex uh, turn back solo. He never did Mr. Keen, he said it was too hard uh, when, he, when he wrecked it, and then it was done. Obviously, sex is done by Brits, uh, and it famously done by Lesser and his crew back in the day. But Walt Blackadder, for me, he is quite iconic uh, and probably reckless, and various other words we can use. For somebody who I think shifted uh, kayaking on its axis a little bit in the 70s. The way that he progressed the sport. And I like that. The British paddlers of the time were probably a little bit more hardcore and risk-taking in the fact that they'd drive all the way to Asia from Britain. And I think the, the uh, Eastern Europeans were probably pushing hard as well, but they didn't get the media attention that Walt did. So it's really interesting to see how Walt sort of courted the media in that, that time as well. So if you don't know, there's a book, Never Turn Back. It's really expensive because it's out of print. But if you manage to get a copy of Never Turn Back, read it about Walt's life. 
and his descent of the uh, Sassina. Uh, Gilbreth's Hall has got a huge mortality rate, fertility rate, whichever way we talk about it. And uh, it's a big remote multi-day class death river in Alaska. Well worth checking out. Next question. Uh, this one, best piece of advice for getting your head in the right place to paddle something you know you can do, but something's holding you back. Slow it down, gang. Slow everything down. Personally, when I drive to a river, I don't have music on in my car. I set that scene early on because music, especially if you're one of these people that listens to drum and bass, heavy metal, all that sort of stuff, even classical, uh, it raises your heart rate, heart rate, uh, and you get out of the car amped and pumped and probably caffeine fueled, already anxious, uh, and your heart's already escalated, and that's never going to help anyone. So slow it down. When you look at a rapid, whether you're scouting it or you're in an eddy looking down the rapid, break it into sections. Slow it down, break it into sections. Personally, I, I work backwards. So I look at the bottom, as far as I can see, to the safe eddy, and as far as I can see, and work backwards to where I am. And that safe eddy moves constantly, doesn't it? Because as you progress down the rapid, you get more visual. I'm thinking of... Uh, graveyard section on the train here because a lot of people paddle that and when I describe it you'll know it when you set off on the tr on the first section of the graveyard or top graveyard upper graveyard whatever we call it on the left hand side uh, as you walk up there's a gate you go through a bit like a big staging eddy now for me th this example works with that eddy because you get in above and you've got you know x amount of yards before the eddy and everyone makes like an eddy to the right and eddy to the left surf a little wave do a little this do a little that and eddy out at the gate but realistically all that other stuff eddy out here eddy out there surf a little wave don't matter what really matters is making the eddy near the gate so if you can break down that section to just make that eddy by the gate the rest of it's just folly doesn't matter uh, how you get to that eddy sort of matters uh, and then you break down the next section don't you because you ferry across and you might make the eddy behind the big uh, groin and so on and so on so break it down do rapids backwards serpent's tail on the d for example <clears throat> when you scout the tail on the d you realistically are looking at the little squeeze move uh, at the bottom of the tail the kick in the tail as opposed to all the fluff above it although the fluff does matter it ain't that important as long as you make the eddy at the bottom i know people are going to argue with me and say that oh that matters that there's that lateral there it matters that that eddy line's boily well it, it does doesn't it how you get to that eddy at the bottom is also probably more important. So that's that one super quick. Another question, and I like this one. Uh, would I rather fight a hundred duck-sized men or one man-sized duck? And I just went, massive duck. Because I think it'd be funny. Then there was somebody that sent me a nice little in-joke, in what am I getting for Christmas? Uh, a win-win for ducks to perk on, which is brilliant. Uh, because I always ask my parents what Santa was getting me. And they always tell me a win one for ducks to perk on. So if anybody knows what a win one for ducks to perk on is, let me let me know because I'm 46 and I still don't know. Somebody asked me about how do I stop my beard getting caught in the chin strap, and it's never happened to me, but it's happened to people I know. But yeah, never happened to me. But uh, maybe it's because I always have like scruffy scruffiness in my hairs. Used to it, I don't know. Someone's asked, if paddling a river with contested access, when challenged, what excuses do I use? 
Well, it's not, I don't even think it's a thing. I've never been challenged uh, properly. I've been well, I have been challenged twice. Once by a government official in India because I was paddling a tourist attraction with a commercial group, and I was given permits, but he'd not been told I had permits. Excuse me, just having a coffee. So that's that one, and I understand why I got challenged, but I got round that. Uh, luckily, the the guys working with me, they managed to take the people on the waterfalls, and I managed to argue with the official for quite some time. Uh, and then I once had a little bit of a discussion with a farmer because I was in an eddy uh, that sort of butted onto his land. But after a discussion, it was absolutely fine. I think be courteous. Don't jump over fences. You know, just don't do it. Don't jump over fences. Don't walk over somebody else's land. Don't walk over somebody's garden. You know, park responsibly. Don't get changed in laybys and show your backside to people, you know. This stuff matters. I mean, I'm I'm all for walking around bollock naked, like, but just be sensible where you do it. You know. I I do struggle, I'll be honest with you. Like, if there's 20 cars in a car park and they've all got boats on the roof and people are, you bro, how's it getting on? And loud music playing out of car stereos. Of course, it's going to send a bad impression to the members of the public that are out dog walking. So let's be a bit more mindful on that. And I'm not saying that like I do the right things myself all the time, but it's just stuff to think about, isn't it? Uh, somebody's asked quite jokingly, will growing my hair long make me a better kayaker? But it didn't help me, did it? But I'm so used to having long hair, I've had it forever, that I can't think of paddling without long hair. Except it does get caught in my, neck, in my dry suit next thing when I put my dry suit on. And when it's when I get when it gets wet, it's a pain in the bum because uh, it slaps you in the face. Oh, uh, this question is perfect, and it is podcast related. Have I started using the microphone when recording podcasts? And I replied, "What the free podcasting microphone I got from the company that gave me a free podcasting mic?" Uh, no, I haven't, as you can tell from this podcast, because it's really hard for you probably to hear me. And when I drink my coffee, coffee like this. It echoes in the little uh, mic that I've got in the ear. But I've got a really nice podcasting microphone that was sent to me by a guy called Tim Sadler. Uh, and I haven't used it yet. I'm quite scared of it because he was going to plug it into an iPhone and I never bought an iPhone. So I've got a really old Motorola phone with loads of cracks down the screen. And luckily I know where my buttons are on my phone. Uh, and I'm a bit scared of this new mic, but I've just moved house and the mic's in a box. And I forgot what box it's in. But I will get round to it in the new year, uh, I promise. So I'm really sorry to people that struggle to hear this. But it could be worse. It could be one of those early podcasts when I had no mic at all. And uh, I had Dave and his sofa drinking beer. Great little uh, question from someone. Have I ever paddled in Ireland? And I haven't. And I really want to. And I want to principally because I really like the Saw Doctors. <laughs> and I know there's a waving tune. And they write a song about tune. I paddle with a lot of Irish paddlers. And there's some of the best paddlers I know are Irish. Uh, and some of the best crack is from people in Ireland. So, yeah, invite me to Ireland, guys, and I will come. And I might even do some talks for you. This question, the answer to this question, I think, is people didn't expect it. So the question was, forget the grade and all that. What's the most fun you can remember having on the water? Now, fun comes in different levels, doesn't it? I really enjoy paddling the D, doing D-laps with friends. And even though I, you know, I paddle all over the world, 
I enjoy the D-laps. And one that sticks to mind is doing a D-lap with some friends I've not seen for a long, long time. One guy, I'm going to mention his name. I call him Grumpy Ian. Uh, a nice guy, Tony. And we got out and Tony decided he wanted to walk Town Falls, which is fine, um, even though Tony's paddled extensively. Uh, he decided that day he didn't want to paddle Town Falls, and that's absolutely fine. So we walked out, we met up at the canal, and there's a little tea shop there, a little canal coffee shop tea shop, and we sat there, and we had cream teas and scones, and it was bouncing down within. And we sat and had cream teas, and got cold, obviously. And the BBC turned up, I think it was the BBC, might have been ITV. BBC turned up and they were doing a thing about, you know, holidays and rain in Wales and all that. And then we ended up going back onto Town Falls to film for the Beeb. And Tony joined us on that lap, because obviously, you know, you want to be shown on TV paddling down a big bit of water. So we did that and that was nice. And then me and Tony went for a run. So that was a good day. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoy paddling. I paddled in the Ganges, and I remember bumping into a bumping into a friend I'd not seen for twenty years at the putting, and the, the Ganga, and that was a good day. So it comes in all different shapes and sizes, doesn't it? Somebody else has asked, "How do you progress from being a grade three paddler to beyond?" And I said, "Slow, slow, don't rush. Understand that you." you will need to take some risks and you will, you'll have, you've got to take risks, but you need to have personal parameters to these risks. Don't just go first off self into stuff willy nilly. Don't go paddling a short section of class four with low water or hardly any move in that class four and think you're a class four paddler because you're not. Like I paddled class five for a long, long time before I called myself a class five paddler. And some days I don't feel like a class five paddler because I get my head wet too much. So, I think you don't don't look at the grade. The river's either a grade, yes or a grade, no. Uh, and it's all about having fun. Uh, a bloke from the paddling shop on Anglesey asked me if it's rice or chips. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so, do I get a topping? Because I reckon vinegar's pretty ringing on rice. Somebody's asked me what do I think of the scorch, piranha scorch. Uh, I have my own opinions on it. It's very niche, I think. Uh, I've paddled loads of boats in my time. Loads and loads, hundreds of them. I mean, I've got 13 of them myself, but I've paddled loads of boats. I paddle it, I quite like the X. I think the Scotch X is a lovely boat. Don't like the name, I think the name's quite insensitive. Not, it's got good marketing behind it. It's got a lot of bolts in it. Uh, and it's got a huge rocker. So if you want a huge rocker, it's great. If you don't want a huge rocker, it's probably not very good for you. You know, if you want a boat that you can buy from a British manufacturer, it's probably perfect for you. If you want to spend over a grand on a boat, again, probably perfect for you. Is that boat going to make you a better paddler? Probably not. It might assist you a lot, give you loads of confidence, uh, but it might spank you on the harder grades because it'll give you confidence on lower grades when your skills are not there. And then by when you move up the grade and you don't have the skills and the river reading ability and you've got to use that boat for what it's intended for, you don't have the skill base. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, and then people are going to say, but guys, you're just jealous because you aren't going to scotch. Well, I, I could get one if I wanted one, you know, I've got money in the bank and I can go and buy one, but I don't want one. Uh, the, similar, the same is probably true for an OG. Uh, they're really confidence-inspiring, and that's a good thing because it does allow people to go and explore stuff, you know, like 
back in the day with dancers, you got wet all the time because he, it was a wet ride in the boat and these are dry ride boats, you know, they sit high and what have you. And the confidence inspiring. But I'm just worried that people will paddle class two, class three in these boats and think they're really and they're confident in that and then they'll start pushing into class four or five and the skills don't match and they end up getting hurt and I get worried about that. So yeah, that's my views on the scotch. There's loads of boats on the market, loads of boats for not not for everyone's budget, even second hand boats are expensive and pricey. You know. But there's a lot of boats out there. Just because your mate paddles a scotch and uses worms doesn't say you after. Uh, would I use somebody asked would I use one would I use next if I lived if I was paddling hard class 5 every day I would consider it if I was multi-daying I'd consider it if I had a lot of sandwiches to take I'd consider it if I was putting fill equipment in it I'd consider it it is a the X is a nice boat I really love the Everest and that plus the last incarnation of the Piranha Everest which was a decade ago now really like that boat and I really like the Fusion Macro Fusion but you know, I paddle Letman, I paddle Recon, we're sport, I paddle a lot of boats. Uh, so he's asked the best half slice for somebody with a big butt, Appian Max, uh, Appian Max rocks, and uh, as somebody who likes uh, chips and cake and doesn't like salad so much, I think it's a good boat. The Letman machete looks really good, but then the ripper's good if you want a nine foot slicey boat, it's really good. The stays or the puffy stays are, are really good boats, and I really like the puffy stays or the fatback stays or whatever we're calling it. Uh, the stays that's got a bit more volume in the stern. I really like them. The wide and uh, they are really wide, and it does change the way you paddle. But they're cool. Oh, just get yourself an old pre on hurricane, and uh, I like a good old hurricane. Uh, which boats are faster, red ones or blue ones? Uh, oh, red, obviously. Because Porsche and Ferraris are red. What's my favourite river in the UK? The River Calder. River Calder in Murfield. A polluted industrial river. Uh, simply because it's where I did my one start. It's where I learnt to ferry glide. It's where I learnt to surf little waves. It's where I actually learnt to stay in holes when I was cartwheeling. There was a, <coughs> a broken wheel behind a pub. And I remember going in there a lot. It's where I learnt to splat. Uh, there was a, tree, a fallen tree, and we used to splat the bottom of the tree, which was probably dangerous as hell. But we did it. But yeah, the colder, I, I spent a lot of my time on the colder. It's polluted and it's horrible and it stinks. And you might get your car broken into. But I really like it because it's got those memories of progressing beyond. What's your favourite beverage to share with your friends? Uh, I'm teetotal. Big pot of tea. Big pot of tea, plate of biscuits. Nice cafe or in front of a fire. Winner. That's it, really. I don't have any more. Somebody asked me what's been... Oh, that was it. Somebody asked me in private what's one of the biggest challenges in paddling at the moment. Uh, and I said inclusivity. Uh, we can talk about pollution. We can talk about access. We can talk about all that stuff. And they are issues and they are roadblocks. But if we don't have inclusivity in the sport, we segregate our communities. And our communities are not on our side. If we had, if we don't put wheelchair access into putters and takeouts on rivers that have, you know, putters and takeouts, like the D, for example, or the Trevin, you know, man-made rivers or those that have got grants to allow for access. If we don't have disability access, and disability access is not just about making ramps, it's about making people uh, feel comfortable. 
uh, emotionally and socially. You know, so making it accessible. If we don't have accessible uh, venues, if we don't have communities that can access the environment, you know, like one of my big bugbears is low social demographic. This is my stereotyping low social demographic tower block. Uh, people, you know, are scared of going out of the houses because of gangs and things like that. Encouraging them into the outdoors is, is hard uh, because there's a lot of roadblocks to get into the outdoors. It's financial roadblocks, travel, logistical roadblocks. Without inclusivity of the whole community, we're always going to come on. People won't care about the hydro, you know, the hydro that's coming into the, that town or the pollution in that way. People won't care because there's bigger fish to fry in their lives. You know, and it's, it's a hard one because it's somebody that spent, you know, the best part of 30 odd years living by rivers. Uh, I value the river and what it teaches, but if I was sort of scared of my life, scared of where my food, my next meal was coming from, my damp in my flat, no job prospects, family on drugs, it would be the last of my worries. So I think it's about it's inclusivity, and I can rattle on a lot about it, but I'm not going to. What I'm going to say is thanks for listening, everyone. It's been 30 minutes, which is actually longer than I, wanted, than I thought it was going to be, and I spoke quick. So thanks again. Ask me some more questions. Fire them out. Try and smile if you can. Uh, that's it. I'm going to have another coffee because it's one of those sort of free coffee days. Have a great day, gang. Oh, if I keep talking for another 17 seconds, it does go down after 30 minutes. <laughs> anyway, have a great day, everyone.